This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap, this time for the weekend. Woo woo! We've got Marco Flalo here. We're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff, including virtual reality. I'm going to talk VR, and what? Mark's going to talk about power. You're listening to Double Tap, the weekend edition, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Mark Aflalo. Hey, welcome along to another episode, Mark Aflalo. How are you? Good, 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 good. How are you? <laughs> I don't know what these accents <laughs> are all about. I don't know who I'm trying to be. I feel like I'm trying to be the Count in, uh, was it the Muppets? No, Sesame Street. Oh, One, Sesame two, three. Oh, dear. We've missed Halloween as well. We could have done that. We could have dressed up. We didn't do that. You know, the TV show, we added snowflakes after. This is what's fun about post-production. We added snowflakes afterwards <laughs> and added the jingle bells and stuff during the transitions. You're going to love that episode. It's actually our gift guide episode. It's coming mm-hmm. up in uh, a couple weeks' time, December 13th, I think it is. That's a good episode. I should I should mention though we have I I literally have a table full here of stuff to give away. I haven't even figured out how we're doing this yet. Um, I think we're gonna put up a page on the AMI website. Maybe I'll take some pictures of all this fun stuff. I've got a Huawei watch. I've got a couple of Belkin boost charge docks, Catalyst cases, uh, UE Fits Logitech headphones, iPhone cases, Huawei FreeBuds. Uh, what else? Another pair of headphones from Treblab. Everything that I just want to get rid of. I mean, everything that people send us to give away. I was going to say, it's not the usual cupboard that you would go through. I mean, like, if I was to go through my cupboards in the house and sort of say, yeah. well, here's what I've got. I've got, you know, I've got a couple of, of tins of beans that I haven't opened yet. Um, you know, I've got some pasta. I've got this, some lasagna sheets, if that's any use to you. Well, here's the problem. is We've tried to give those away in the past, but unfortunately, they're no takers. No, no one wants the lasagna sheets. I don't know what's wrong with these people, honestly. I, I don't get it. I really, I just don't get it. But you know what? Uh, stay tuned to social media. We'll figure something out. I don't know what platform on social media we'll be on by the time we do this, but we'll figure it out. We'll see if one. We'll see if Twitter's <laughs> still hanging around, right? I mean, we no, just, no, I mean, guys, I, I, no, I know we're not talking. No, I'm talking about. Don't Listen, say I just the want to say this. I am so sick of people bleating on about Twitter. Every single time I go on Twitter, stop, stop saying I the hear, keyword. Oh, it's the last day. Oh, it's the, today's my last day on Twitter. I, you know, it was such a wonderful place. <laughs> and then I go on again today and it's still there. What are you people talking about? What do they expect? You spent $44 billion on something. You're not going to shut it down today. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's probably a bit more resilient. <laughs> I think they all think it's just running off Elon's laptop. It, it must be. be. No, isn't it that how it works? You just buy the laptop. <laughs> I it's think an it probably... old IBM ThinkPad. <laughs> this is, is it? IBM hey, ThinkPad. I'm here at Twitter headquarters. What did I buy? Well, we rent everything here. This is here. Here you go. Here's hey, the laptop. Should, maybe we should upgrade from this Core 2 Duo the really, processor. Yeah, and, really uh, long you know. extension cord. Just hang on. Don't <laughs> unplug that because Twitter will be gone. Uh, no, but no, no. Well, I'm done with the Twitter. I can't. I can't. I can't deal with this anymore. I know. It's just too much. It really is. But we're not going to talk about that today. You'll be pleased to hear. I am going to ask you, though, Mark. I'm going to pin you down on this because I've been getting questions oh, no. during the week oh, God. from our audience about you and uh, your commitment to giving out water bottles. Are you giving out water bottles? Are you sending water bottles to people? They're asking questions. I'm getting hounded for blooming water bottles. Oh, my God. Okay, so I've got I've got the water bottles here. <laughs> I'm a busy man. We've got a lot of shows in the works. We didn't think about um, logistics. That was a problem. No, no, no. I, I thought about logistics. To your house, it's just easier. Easy. It's easier to do it all kind of in bulk. And I wanted to include a water bottle with every single giveaway that we're going to be doing. So my plan is, is that literally when we do this giveaway, I will sit down, I'll hunker down for a day, package everything up, including the water bottles, and just ship them out, ship them out, ship I've them got, out. I've got the them answer out. to this. I can solve this problem for you. I've thought yeah, about this. That? I've given yeah, this. Okay. Lo- I've got logistical thoughts on this. I have one too. Handle I'm sure you do. Is it relating to this though? <laughs> well, well, it's kind of like my, my thought was instead of giving away the water bottles, I would just give away water. Double tap water. Double tap and water. Here, yeah, exactly. And, and what you do is you, uh, with instructions, I'll give you a manual. Mm-hmm. I can, you can download the manual online so I don't have to ship anything. Excellent. You basically go to your sink. Yep. You turn on the tap. Brilliant. You fill it up, and it's double tap water. How would you know any difference? Exactly. I think it's brilliant. It, well, I have to say the logistics are already in place for that, which is really useful. Well, that's why I was going with that model. Yeah. I thought it would be a really smart way to do it. What, what's your idea? Well, my thought was that what we do is we send a water bottle 
So say someone gets in touch from Vancouver, right, and says, you know, yeah, I, I yeah. want a water bottle, right? So say, okay, fine. And then maybe someone else in Vancouver wants a water bottle. What we do... Sure. No, we send sure. them all to the one person in Vancouver and, and we make them be in charge of that place. Okay, so a water bottle is limited to one person per territory. No, no, you can say, you can have them and, and a million people can have them. Well, I don't know how many there are, but let's say there's a hundred people could have them, right? But what you do is you send them all to the one person and it's on them to send them to all the people in Vancouver. See, that's well, They've smart got to thinking. figure it out. They've all got so, to go and meet okay, that one person. I like that. Meet the guy in so, the town. who wants to be my water bottle Sherpa? This is probably a terrible idea from a safety point of view. But, you know, I, I kind of like it. We I mean, tend it's... to come up with the ideas, put them out there in the world and see what the problems are afterwards. Exactly, yeah. That yeah. tends to be what the problem is, is that it's what I'm we do off, off the air, too. Yeah, I know. We tend to come up with these brilliant ideas. Let's do this. And then we spend five days trying to figure out how to make it happen. And We're kind of doing that right now, but I'm not exactly. going to tell you about it. <laughs> so virtual reality. And power. And power. I want to talk about virtual reality for a minute because you'd be surprised to learn that I have been playing around with VR again this week. Oh, wow. Uh, kind of by accident, if I'm honest, because, you know, listeners to the show through the week will know I've been talking about upgrading my PC. And I've yes. got a very decent HP Omen 25L, which I thought, and I, I admit it sounds silly now that I thought it was to do with the water cooling system, that it was 25 litres, but it's not. It's the brand name, and it's actually the model number. <laughs> so it's not 25 litres, it's 25L. And... Um, I've got this machine. It's really good. It's a very powerful AMD processor. I got a new upgraded hard drive for it, and I fitted that yesterday. I actually managed to install it myself. I was very impressed with myself. Okay. I mean, I'm, wondering where, I'm just wondering where we're going with this. Well, so I get this all set up, and I think to myself, hmm, you know what I haven't tried for a while? Mark's been talking about the Quest Pro. I haven't tried my Quest 2. I've still got it somewhere. It's in that cupboard somewhere. So I dig it out, and I get it, and, you know, turn it on. And the first thing it says is, <laughs> Update. This, well, even worse than that, it wouldn't even let me do anything with it until this had this software update, which you had to do within the VR system itself. Yes. Because it, obviously Facebook has now become meta. They've updated the software, and it's obviously been a long time since I've had this thing turned on. So did all the updates, got it running. And there was something that was in beta when I used it last called Air. I think AirLink they called it, which was where you could essentially connect via wireless to your device, to your Correct, computer. Yeah, to your computer, yeah. And it was pretty, it was ropey, but it was beta. You know, it was kind of dropping frames and not very good, and I didn't find it particularly solid. Oh, my, how that's changed. Just in the so space this is, is this like where you year. see your desktop in VR? So you can see your desktop in VR, which was kind yeah, of cool. Yeah. Um, I was more interested in my truck game, if I'm perfectly honest with you. I wanted that back up and yeah, running. Yeah. So I did. And I'm I, I'm thinking, right, I'll need to buy a cable again because I don't know where my cable is to connect it to the computer. Don't need the computer. Don't need the 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 cable because it's absolutely fine. I'm amazed at how good it is. So you were playing your truck game with VR as your as your monitor? Yeah. But and it's actually was- in VR because the game itself, although the game is not VR, it does have a VR beta. So oh, when nice. you go into the game, you just do a little bit of, mucking around in Steam, and you can actually make the, the beta come to life as a, a VR. So you're actually then inside the cab. You're driving around. You can look around you. You can, you know, sort of see your can of Coke or whatever you've got lying there. You know, pick up your iPhone. Diet, Diet Coke is better for you. Uh, obviously. Or yeah. Zero. Is that another better one? I, they're all the same to me. I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> look, well, as my granny used to say before she died, you've got to die of something. Okay, so t- so tell me, what was the experience like for you? Because your vision is obviously extremely limited. Yes. Um, what was that like? Was that did you feel immersed into the game? I do feel immersed in the game, and I think that the, the it sounds silly, but one of the great things about VR is if you can't see something, unlike in a game with even a monitor, you can go as close as you like to the monitor, but you know it's still everything's still the same distance, right? So if I was looking yeah. at something on the far left of the screen. I'd struggle to see that even if I got close to it because actually in the game, the view is it's in far left distance. Whereas with VR, I can just sort of move over to it and look at it and actually get close to it. So it was really interesting. I mean, details, obviously things like details like speed, that's my excuse from the police stop me, speedometer, um, you know, any kind of information about what's going on on the, the dials and, you know, all the stuff that you have, all that fancy stuff that you have in front of you in a car. All that stuff you use to, I don't know, telemetry and stuff to drive the car. Yeah, yeah I guess. it tells you petrol and view. When you fuel. actually get pulled over the, by the police in the game, uh, can you say, uh, is there an option saying I'm blind? Oh, I, was, I, I want a big trailer <laughs> that says blind driver on it. That's what I want. Um, 
But yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, if you take away the details and the need to stop at red lights and, you know, that kind of stuff, it's fine. I mean, I'm not doing any of that stuff because I don't care. And were you using your steering nice wheel and pedals as well? Yeah, well, I didn't set them up. I haven't done that yet, but that is next on my list. I didn't want to move them until I thought, okay, this is working. But honestly, I was so impressed by it. Now, obviously, for me, the virtual desktop experience isn't quite so good because yeah. one of the joys of that is that you have the desktop. It's like having a massive curved monitor in front of you, having like a 50-inch curved monitor right in front of your, your yep. face. And a lot of people think that's good because, well, it's closer. But actually, again, the problem is that it's too far. Everything's too far away. So I'd be all over the place trying to see what I'm trying to see because I need to get as close to it as possible. Although I did run magnifier with it, and I didn't think that would work. And I used the Windows magnifier, and that worked really well. Oh, so, really? you know, I was able to do that. But, I mean, it's not a workable thing for me. It's not something I would ever use. Far too visual. I get on much quicker with my screen reader. But, you know, it's nice to be able to play with this stuff and try it out. But I, was, I have to say the technology has come on leaps and bounds, and I was really surprised because you had talked about the Quest Pro, and we'd seen all the videos about the great things it could do. It, it, you know, you were saying you could have, like, a three-monitor array in front of you if you wanted. Yeah. And I imagine when you, you looked at that, they were pretty clear. It wasn't like they were kind of jumping around over the place. Or they were no, staggering. no, they were they were static in space. Like I would yeah. turn around, like they were fixed in in a certain position, which was pretty cool. Um, I had a question. Uh, what was it? Uh, magnifier. Of course, I'm not going to remember now. You 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 ruined my train of thought here. Anyhow, carry on. That's my job. Oh yeah. Oh no. Uh, spatial audio. Um, mm. Does the game? Does that game in particular take advantage of spatial audio? Do you have that? effect as if people things are coming from different points around you a little bit yeah i mean it's got okay. some stereo effect going on anyway maybe not spatially but certainly stereo effect which is good enough right um you know if a car goes past you on the motorway on your left you'll hear it you'll hear it on the left you'll hear it even coming potentially if you and you because you, that's there's you a lot of windows potential. in the cab to hear it better which is kind of well there's cool. a lot of potential there for for the use of vr augmented reality in in that kind of virtual space for people with all kinds of disabilities, especially people who rely on their hearing for that kind of stuff, that I think could be really cool and immersive. And I don't think anybody's really cracked that code yet. I think the whole spatial audio thing is really, it's still a home theater gimmick at this point, to be perfectly honest. I was presenting uh, to a group of people last week and we were talking, they were asking the question about VR because it's one of those questions a lot of blind people ask and, and the first thing they say is, well, it's no good to me. And I think, well, actually, look at it a bit more broadly than that. One of the things that I got from that meta event this year was that they were keen to try and make the experience available to more people on other platforms, including yeah. on the smartphone. So people who exactly. didn't have a headset could still take part. Now, what that means is that that audio component is going to come into this in a big way, and that's going to matter yeah. a lot. If you're in a virtual meeting, no matter whether you're sighted or not, you're going to want to hear as if that person's sitting on your left the other person sitting on your right. You're going to want to feel that in that experience. And that is exactly the experience a blind person would face. I would also go as far to say that when you're blind, that is the real world. You know, I don't, I don't know if we should necessarily want the virtual world to be better than the real world. And how would it be? If I'm in a room and you're sitting to my left, you're going to be on my left. The only thing I'm missing out on is if maybe you tapping me saying, you know, hey, it's time to go, or, you know, can we get out of here, or, you know, whatever it is. That's the only thing I'm yeah. going to miss, is that physical aspect. But, but the actual sound is, is going to be exactly the same, and that, I think, is the best we can hope for. Yeah, no, I, I think that there's, there's there's a lot of room for this, and this is a conversation that we have often with Chris Matthew, um, mm. who's become our resident VR, uh, metaverse, He's NFT, crypto. Guy. I think we'll take crypto out of that, because I don't think anybody wants to talk about crypto these days. It's a scam. But, um, the whole thing's a scam. <laughs> All things a scam. <laughs> so what's happening with the power in your place? You came well, so on, I you woke up this morning. And so, so you have to understand when COVID first hit, um, one of the first things I did was put in a generator. Now, you might be asking yourself, COVID and a generator? Well, what's the relation? <laughs> well, the relation is... How, does that keep off I was, the, the COVID? Does that it does. Back? It keeps the monkeys away. So I was... Um, <laughs> I I, uh, I started working from home more and more, and I was doing a lot of live production, actual live shows, recording of interviews um, yeah, with with big name celebrities and and small name things, and and it was more and more important for me to have a generator that was powering my home. And I I looked at options, and I, I ended up getting a Generac generator that's plugged directly into my natural gas line, so with an automatic transfer switch. So what happens is when the power goes out. 
especially in my office and my equipment rack and stuff like that, I have got a UPS, so an uninterrupted power supply. And what that does is that buys me about 15, 20 minutes before it completely goes dead. It's basically a battery pack, right? And the battery pack is designed to basically, it's a surge protector. So if, if something happens, it's going to absorb the surge and it's going to give me about 20 minutes to, to shut things down if I want to shut things down. That's what they're designed for. In my case, I've got three of those going on, one in my office, one in my studio here, and I've got two up uh, in, my, in my rack on the other side of this wall I've got here. And uh, it buys me the time that it needs for the generator to automatically turn on and start putting power back into the house. So literally that's about a 36, 38-second process. So studio-wise, other than the lighting over my head that's built in, that's in the, in the, in the house, um, everything will go off except for my essential stuff, and it'll just continue working for me. And I woke up this morning, and I got an alarm on my phone saying at 6.29 this morning, um, the power went out. And I realized this because I woke up late because the alarm didn't go off because mm. I used my Echo for my, my alarm, uh, which I also used my phone. My phone was there as a backup, and I woke up, and nowhere in a five-kilometer radius has power. Um, but I do. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, the Christmas lights are going on, the little trees outside. That's going on. Um, trying to think of what else. Uh, I mean, here's the thing about the generator, though, is that the generator is not, yeah, it's a small motor. Mm. That's what it is, okay? It's a small motor that sits outside your house, and it feeds the power back in. It's not the quietest thing in the world, it's also not the the uh, not without its vibration vibra- vibrations. Mm. So to me, it doesn't really bother me. It's on the other side of my house. If you're in my son's room, you'll feel the vibrations. And you'll be like, okay, that's a little irritating. He doesn't care. He sleeps with like six fans on and white noise. For him, it's whatever. Yeah. My new neighbors who are friends of ours, they really dislike my generator. So when you say friends, you mean where? You're talking past tense now. Especially well, today. we tried very, very hard um, to be choosy about who moves into the house next door <laughs> when he put it on on sale. No, we, I mean, obviously, we actually we actually told these friends of ours, hey, this house is for sale. You should check it out. They looked at it, didn't like it. And then eventually they moved in. So we've put up a big fence. So don't worry about that. They can't see any of my, my nude uh, ramblings. No, but the generator is it, it's pretty not that it's noisy as much as the vibration is right on that side of the house and right where their master bedroom is. Yeah. So. There's been a couple occasions since they've moved in where it's gone uh, several days with a generator on, and they've they've not been very happy about it. Mm. I mean, they knew what they were getting into. That generator's been there long before them, yeah, and the well, previous yeah. the previous owner seemed to not have an issue with it. Um, and uh, nothing's a problem until it happens, though, right? That's I think they're the just way. jealous, to be perfectly honest. Of course they are. They're like, can we feed off this yeah. thing? Because they feed off it. I bet any money they would. I've, I've offered to throw them an extension cord every once in a while. Well, there you go. So but actually, you know, I, I, a neighbor of mine had his uh, driveway power washed. And the guy turned up in the morning. We were due to record the show. One of those typical days where I'd woken up late. And I thought, I, I called Sean and I said, look, we normally record the show early in the morning. But do you know what? Today, let's record it a bit later. We're fine for time. We'll be fine. And then as soon as I step out of bed, and I went, uh-oh. And I thought someone was doing their garden. I thought, that's fine. But I thought, that's a bit, it's a bit louder than that. It's a bit deeper. It's got a bit more of a guttural sound, this thing. So what's going on? And, of course, I, you know, check out what's going on. And it turns out my neighbor is having the driveway power washed. So the guy has a generator in his van. And that thing's running at full speed. And air compressor, else. by the way. That's yeah. things I've worn. Yeah, those are really noisy. And you know, so, so here's the on. other thing that I've done, which I highly recommend you do if you ever run a record from home. Build a soundproof room. Yes. Well, it's also <laughs> handy to contain. It, it contains the screams, which I find quite useful. Well, I mean, we do joke that we call it the kill room. Talking about me, not anyone else. Oh, you're a scream. Yeah, we do. We do call. We do jokingly call it the kill room. Yeah. Um, there is no plastic on the floor. But you could you could <laughs> sacrifice a small animal in here, I guess, if you wanted to. Uh, not not that, that I condone that in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you, you couldn't in that room, not really. And, and anyway, it's you, a small you space. Get, you that's get why you splatter all over the the wonderful kit you're sending. I've away, watched so. Dexter. There's ways to this. Oh, around. I see. <laughs> watch, you know, I've never watched Dexter. Really? We started watching it during COVID. One of the one of the shows we were binging on. We never really finished the series. We, because it gets so repetitive. Mm. A lot of these shows, like, it's the same, same thing. Same thing every time. Guy works at the police station. He happens to be a murderer, covers yeah. up for the things he's done. 
move on to the next season. I, uh, uh. I know. It gets a bit gets a bit much. Do you know? It's, oh. it's funny. Sometimes you get a great idea for, or you see a great, you know, like Netflix comes up with, you know, hey, we just launched this, and then you read the the description, you think, God, that sounds like a great movie, and then you realise it's a series, and that puts me off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I can't, I, I'm not doing eight hours of this. This is just, this is the same but thing. But here's the thing, though, is that there are some, there are some shows and some series that are written for being, con- this, this is the difference in the, with the streaming world that we live in, is that they're able to take productions that would have normally been feature films and mm. turn them into these full length, eight hour, six hour, 10 hour, you know, long episodic thrillers. But you know what? They're no different than the movie would have been. It's just really long. Yeah, that's right. And they draw it out, and and they're not made to have commercials. They're not made to be interrupted. They're made to just watch consecutively. And if they're done well enough, you want to. You know, they want to extend the story. But I find that not everybody does that terribly successfully. I did I did enjoy The Watcher. I did enjoy that. I thought that was good. Although I, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but, you know, it's the ending might be a little bit disappointing. That's all I'm going to say. No. That's the only thing I find. Listen, just talking about power, because funnily enough, we were discussing this on the show during the week, and I was talking about the fact that, you know, should it all fall apart, should the power go down? This this started because in the UK on Tuesday night, I think it was, there was a, the first of a national alert that came through that said that power in the UK was going to be scaled back for a period of time on the Wednesday. It was a planned shutdown of the power national power grid because there was issues and there are ongoing issues in this country with power. Uh, even though we are not directly, I don't really understand how all this works, but we are not directly beneficial of Russia's gas. We still are impacted by any shortages. So I don't know okay. how all that works. But anyway, essentially, they were going to have to shut things down. So people were panicking, right? They're like, oh, what's going to happen here? And then it was called off at last minute. It's like, oh, didn't mean to send it. It's one of those, you know, you send an email to all staff and then you think, oh, why did I do that? I only wanted to send it to Paul. You know, why did I send it to everybody? I only sent it to Paul. Oh, I've sent it to the whole country. Oh, I'm getting all these replies. Uh, ah, now whoops. Rep- Whoopsie. Oh, <laughs> so it turns out we didn't have the problem, but it did uh, It did bring up this issue because there are, talk, there are talks about potential managed shutdowns of the power grid over winter should the weather get really bad, should the need for gas be greater than our supply, uh, you know, can manage. And um, I was saying, well, you know, I could just basically plug it. I've got my, my MacBook here. It's always charging up, so it's always ready to go should I need to. Um, I could switch to 4G, at worst case. And then someone emails in and says, hey, have you thought, though, what happens to 5G and 4G when the power goes down? Does it go down with it? Well, and typically that's a, that's those, those sites, sure. typically those sites, um, the individual sites, the antenna sites are, are on a generator. On some right. kind of generator, number one, or battery backup plus generator. With a neighbor uh, next num- door who's really unhappy about it. Yeah, exactly. And uh and then and then the data centers are all battery backup and that that kind of that's I mean, that's crucial infrastructure, right? So mm. that's it's not just our cell phones that work off that, it's it's emergency services, police, everybody works off of that now. So uh we I mean we had an outage in Canada about in the summer. That's right. Yes, uh, the, the Rogers outage, which yeah. is one carrier, and that was just catastrophic. So, um, I think a lot of people are kind of revisiting that and making sure those infrastructures are in place. But yeah, we can we can do a lot of stuff off of battery. I mean, for a one hour show, I mean, we could record our TV show off of a ba- off of battery if we needed to. So, yeah. um, there are, there are contingencies here, and this you know working ahead of time always helps. Having a backup show in the in the can tends to be useful as well. But it doesn't mean everybody. I mean, I'm sure Sean Shed is going to just be completely obliterated. Oh, com- <laughs> well, I, that doesn't require any outage, to be perfectly honest. No, that the just other- requires the hamster to stop running on the wheel. So the other day, we're doing the show, <laughs> and his his microphone starts to go again. I said, Sean, what is it with your microphones? Why is it continually Didn't just, we just going buy him off? a new one? Well, I thought there's something wrong with this microphone, right? Because we we he, he needed a new mixing console, so he got a new console. You got that, yeah. Now the microphone's acting up, so he goes to the port where he's plugged the, the cable into, yeah, and the cable just disintegrates in his hand. Now, oh, okay. I don't know how that's possible, but it's happened. Does so he have I think cable the hamsters termites? get hungry, if I'm being perfectly honest. Does he have cable termites? Yeah, I think he might. <laughs> but yeah, the cable, did, that was a problem. So he replaced the cable, everything's fine. But I'm like, how did that even... But yeah, so his shed is ready to collapse at any minute. But I want to ask you about... Um, 
the, the power slide. We've talked about this before a little bit, but the UPS thing, I was, I'm always intrigued by this because you see these ones on Amazon for like $150, $200, maybe even $300. Oh. And they're, they're, I'm guessing there's a pretty low, have pretty low capabilities, but I'm wondering, could they hold up, say, a, a router? Could they hold up your internet connection even? Yeah, you could, you could definitely hold up um, a router, a couple wireless access points to keep your internet going. Mm. Um, if your internet doesn't suffer an outage with it, um, yeah. which is, you know, in my case, in your case, fiber optic should be no issue there. Like it's, it's, it should be fine. Um, I actually have one upstairs as well, which is where my wireless, all my wireless stuff is, is connected to. So yeah, I mean, those, those cheap ones are, are, are rated to last. I mean, it depends how much load you put on them. I would say about eight to 10 minutes. They're yeah. really designed for. To give you time to gracefully shut things down. I think a lot of people buy them thinking that they'll be able to run their house off them. And you just can't, right? No, But there are are great solutions out there now, giant battery packs that are basically like the ones you carry around for your cell phone. Those same companies like Anchor and and Powerwall and stuff like that, they make really big ones that are almost need wheels, but Mm. aren't that expensive in the grand scheme. They're probably about four or $500 that could run your fridge for two days. Yeah. So that seems to be where people are leaning towards these days because you keep that, it really becomes a UPS because you can leave it plugged in all the time and have your fridge plugged into it. And if the battery go, if the power goes out, it does what a UPS does. Yeah. But you just got to keep track of that. You got to keep monitoring that. Most people I know these days will keep some kind of UPS or battery backup on, on their on their main TV, their internet, and uh, and like a wireless routers, so they can watch Netflix when the power goes out. And you know, the other thing to think about is, and I think this is key. You know, how you you get these little um, battery packs that you buy for your your phone, right? You get yeah. like the ten thousand whatever it is milliamps of power or whatever, and it can charge up an iPad twice or whatever it is. Keep a couple of them handy if you want to just keep your phone going. The phone is going to be the most important thing in this situation, right? I mean, and it's the one thing that will probably be the only thing that left that works. Even if your internet goes, you will hopefully get some kind of signal. So, yeah. you know, always make sure that at least has got power. And for a lot of blind people who can rely on their phone pretty much independently, that might be the most important thing. Yeah, to that's a up. difficult thing when you have kids. Because okay. my daughter will be sitting on the couch next to a plug that has an adapter in the wall. And has three cables sticking out of it. And then her iPad will die and she wonders why. Because she's not plugged into it. Then what she will do is instead of plugging it into the wall, she'll come running around saying, do you have a battery pack? I'm like, yeah, there's a giant one plugged into the wall over there. It's connected to the whole country. Yeah. And then she'll she'll disconnect. then, Then she'll kill the battery pack and not charge it. And wonder why there's no. And I've got like a dozen of these in the house. But here's the best battery pack I ever got. It was a promotional item. It was a small rectangular stick. It looked like a matchbox almost or something like that. It was a battery backup. It has a USB port on it, but it also has um, retractable dongles to plug into the wall, the actual elements. So it was a wall adapter Mm. with a built-in battery. So if you bring that around to charge your items, to plug your things in the wall, basically it's a mini UPS well, I know what everyone's doing during the break now. We're all Googling that. Maybe we should uh, get some double tap branded ones. I think and see that if would we be an can sell those. Idea. But you know what? Those come in super handy, especially when you talk about recording and stuff like that. Plug your camera into the wall with this, and you'll get at least another 15, 20 minutes out of it, maybe. I mean, one, one device at a time. Yeah. But yeah, insane. Now listen, stick around. More to talk about. This is Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. This is Double Tap on AMI Audio and on podcast. Have you not subscribed yet? Come on. And if you're on podcast, thank you for subscribing. Didn't you know we're on AMI Audio? What's wrong with you people? Uh, Mark Flalo is with me. Hello. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about John McFall. 
Of course. Do we you know all know John. John's a great guy. Uh, oh. I, we went to high school. To, I have no idea who John McFall is. <laughs> uh, John McFall is, he is going to become, I think, a household name for many reasons. But I think the, the most important one being the world's first astronaut with a disability. I heard about this. Yeah. It's not the John McFall, uh, the Baron McFall of Alcoolith, is he? Not that I know of. Um, <laughs> he's from Britain. He's 41 years old. He's a Paralympic sprinter. And uh, he has uh, become the first person selected by the European Space Agency with a physical disability to be included in the next generation of astronauts for the first time in what he hopes will be, or what it hopes, I guess, will be the initial step towards a, a para-astronaut standard, which I have to say, this is fantastic news. Um, it does remind me of a story. Uh, and I have to say, you know, I, 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 maybe one day we'll get a chance to speak to John. Maybe even in space. How cool would that be? And floating about and we get to talk to him. We should get on to that. That'd be um, awesome. But listen, it does bring me to a story. And this is, I have to tell you, this is so true. Terrifyingly true story. Um, I was on a bus going into work one day years ago. And this kind of, this goes to the point I've made before about, you know, people will pretty much believe anything from a blind person's point of view. Um because they just, they have such low expectations, right? So I'm on my way to work. This woman sits down next to me. And she says, oh, what a horrible day, blah, blah, blah. Because it's Scotland, of course, it's always a horrible day. Even if it's a gorgeous, beautiful sun outside, it's a horrible day. And um, we set our expectations well. Anyway, we're, we're sitting in the bus, we're chatting away. And she says to me, where are you going to work? And I felt a bit mischievous that day. So I said, I'm actually going off to work. I work at NASA. And she said, NASA? She says, but... That's in, that's in America, is it not? And I said, no, no, no. I said, they've got a Glasgow office in Scotland. And she says, wow, okay. And she said, um, and, she, and, and she's like, and I, I was, I was feeling particularly mischievous. Maybe I just had one too many encounters that particular week and I just couldn't be bothered dealing with any more because as you've seen, you've seen it firsthand, people who assume, people who think weird things around blind people, right? You've, you had it with me in a hotel in Regina when the person was amazed that I was walking about with a computer, probably thinking I didn't know what it was. Um... <laughs> It was a Mac in fairness, but, you know, so we were, um, so anyway, I continue this conversation. And I was like, I said, maybe just feeling mischievous. So I says to her, yeah, I work in the, the NASA building. I said, actually, I'm an astronaut. And, you know, I'm thinking any second she's going to just say, yeah, right, whatever, you know, get up and leave. She says, yeah, what? I said, yeah, I'm an astronaut. I said, I work in, in uh, NASA. I said, look, I'm not one of the big, like, fancy, like, well-known ones like Neil Armstrong. I'm not like that. I said, but, you know, I, I'm up there. You know, we, we go up and down. And she said, all right. She says, what is it you do? And I said, well, I, what we do is we... I said, it's not that big a deal, really. I says, we got to the International Space Station. I do some work. I says, I am their uh, disability coordinator. And she said, right. And you know that way you're thinking, I don't think she's buying this, but then you don't know because she's sticking with it. So she says, so how does that work? I said, well, what happens? I says, look, I said, let me explain this to you. I said, my job is really simple. It's pretty boring, actually. I said, have you ever been into a, a disabled uh, bathroom, a disabled restroom? I said, and you look and, and you, know, you, may, you might have seen this. Maybe even on a train you'll have seen this, where there's Braille on the wall where it says, you know, don't touch this or, you know, which is never a great sign to read, um, Braille. Um, but, you know, yeah, hot water or dryer or washer. I said, there's often Braille written above that. She said, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. She said, I've seen that in, the, in, the, in the, tra the train toilets. I said, yeah, exactly. I said, well, that's what I do, but I do that on the space station. So I make sure it's compliant. So that blind people, when they're up there, will know where everything is. You know, like space button, uh, you know, don't don't open this flap, you know, whatever it is. And she said, Dad, you know, she said, they really do think of everything, don't they? And I knew I had her at that point. I thought, I've got you on this. I've got you. She absolutely wow. believed where that. Did, I flew where did it go space. from there? Where did it go from there? Oh, she just said, oh, well, let's, let's have a great day. And she got off the bus and left. And, she's, and she'll tell that story to a million people now. I've met a blind guy who goes to space every day. Yeah, he did. He's, it's in Glasgow. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I don't know, there's a spaceship in the car park. It was unbelievable. I did, actually, in fairness, I did say try to go to Florida to get the spaceship. There was no spaceships in Scotland. Oh, that's that's very kind of you. Do you know to give it some authenticity? But you use a transporter to get to Florida. So <laughs> that's right, that's yeah. fine. <laughs> uh, she, she actually believed. I couldn't. I couldn't believe she believed it. I thought at some point she's because you know yeah I'm having a laugh. I'm expecting to just go yeah I'm only winding you up. Of course I'm a nobody. I'm unemployed and I weave baskets and tune pianos because that's all blind people do. But 
no, I've never heard that the blind people we'd be at baskets and the tune pianos. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's a worldwide thing, but it certainly used to be the case in the UK because you know up until what this, well, I don't know when maybe forties fifties we were all just shoved in asylums, and one of the things we used to do was uh, weave baskets. So if you have a basket in your house that's woven, there might be a blind person behind that. Or if your piano is perfectly tuned, there might be a blind person behind that. We're very clever people. You learn something new each and every day, and this is why I am here on Double Tap. Hey, listen, it's amazing, the people who... And I will say this, I have to say this, because this is something that in the UK especially has become a bit of a joke. You know, blind people are piano tuners. There are a lot of blind piano tuners, and actually a lot of them love the job. It's actually a great job to have. It's well paid. Um, you know, the, it's a great position to have. You get to go. That's got to be a career people. that's kind of going out the window. There's, I mean, there's not a lot of real pianos out in the world anymore these days. Not as many. The, no, not yeah. as many. No, it's it's one. It's all been replaced by you know the electric stuff. But yeah, there's still a lot of people have pianos. And to be fair, I think if you had a piano tuner, when you think about it, you probably would want a blind person tuning it. Because, you know, they actually use their hearing properly. It's not they've got I'm going to be hearing, honest with you. Hearing. I'm going to be really brutally honest with you here, Stephen. Um, if I had a piano, mm-hmm. I really wouldn't check the qualifications of the person, whether they're blind or not. I am actually piano tuner agnostic. You, you, would take, you would take anybody? I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with anybody tuning my piano if they You're have inclusive. the credentials. You're inclusive. I'm inclusive. Yeah, well done. Well done. Whew. I'm glad I got that off my chest. So apparently, apparently there's beta testing for Tesla. Do you see this? Um, no. Do you want to apply? I want, I want a shot. <laughs> I don't know, actually, because I don't get to do anything, right? I just get to sit in the car while it you know, careers off a cliff. I'm guessing okay. this is going to happen. Okay. Um, um, but they are looking for, it seems they're looking for willing victims. Maybe they've run out of the mannequins. Maybe they need to... Is it, is it is it these uh, plastic protesters? Does that cause the problem? We don't have any mannequins anymore. We have to use real people in testing. We have to use real people. We've got to send real people to space now too. This is really really getting confusing. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'd like to be a Tesla beta tester. I mean, because have you seen the price of the cars these days? Yeah, well, I am assuming they're very expensive. Because I know there was, um, well, what, what, I don't know what they are in Canada, but you know, here they were like hundred grand or something. So. Well, so they're, I mean, they're getting up there. And the problem is, is that uh, gas is going up, continues to go. Every time I fill up my car, I'm mm-hmm. like, I really need to get an electric car. And then I start shopping for electric cars. I'm like, this is not a cheap endeavor. Like you need, like if you were to finance it or lease it, you know, typically you can lease a car five, $600 a month, depending on what you're doing and depending on where you're leasing a car. You, you look at an electric car and yeah, you get great incentives. You save gas over the you know, 10 year life of the car. But you're still paying upwards of nine, ten, a thousand dollars a month for one of these cars, and I just can't. I don't know. I just can't justify it just yet. I think the prices are going to go down. What's and the range that, like but, on them though? I mean, is the well, you, I mean, you're getting some of these cars, especially with the new battery technology, that are going at upwards of four or five hundred kilometers. So oh. that's, I mean, that's pretty decent if you consider. You know, I live in Montreal, so you know, a, a good drive would be to Toronto. It's about six hours, about five hundred kilometers. So if you can do that on a full charge, you're good. But you might want to stop midway and just top that up just mm. to have. But unfortunately, topping it up means that you're sitting and watching YouTube and Netflix for an hour in your car. Which you're going to do at home anyway, so you may as well do it on the roads. Well, and they have it in the car anyway. Like, I mean, you might as well exactly. just you know, enjoy yourself. Listen, it might be the only time you get a bit of peace and quiet. Yeah, I like peace and quiet. See, now you're thinking. Nah, see, yes, yes, dear. The car needs charged. I'm just going out for uh, two hours. Yeah. Well, that being said, so there's, you know, they announced the new Toyota Prius. Is it Toyota? I think it is. Uh, Prius. You're asking a blind guy about cars. I have no idea. They're all just boxes to be that move. Okay, so a, a Toyota Prius, and this is going to be. Um, it's an interesting looking car. It's a little bit kind of futuristic, but it really is quite nice. Um, that was like was it, that not the first? Was that not the first hybrid? It was one of the first hybrids. Yeah, it was one of the first that was out there. Um, it has solar panels on the roof. Oh, okay. So while you're driving, it's actually regenerating power. I mean, it's using it at the same time, and it's probably generating it, you know, not as quick as it's being used. But it does extend the battery life and extend mm. the the drive time while you are driving. And not only that, but don't forget, as an engine moves, they can use that as well and turn that into battery power. So it was, it was you know, about freaking time, to be perfectly honest, in my mind, that they added a feature like this. And it's not an ugly-looking ugly car. No price point yet. But, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, everybody's doing something these days. Everybody's doing something. 
Hybrid um, seems to be the the best option, doesn't it? Because then you've got it's, that. It laptop. makes well, it really, you know what? This is like buying a laptop or a computer. How do you use your car? You know, for me, mm. I literally commute to pick up my kids in the area. If I had a hybrid and and I only got let's say twenty five or thirty five kilometers on electric only, it'd be perfect for me. It'd be great because I would only hit gas when I was going longer distances. And uh, and a hybrid does regenerate the energy on the battery while it's actually using gas. So yeah. for me, yeah. A friend of mine had one not long after they came out. It was the Nissan Leaf. Did you have that car? We do. Yeah, a friend of mine has that one. He likes yeah. that a lot. And I don't. this was one of the first ones. It only did, uh, I don't know what the kilometers are, but it did 100 miles. So I don't know what that is in kilometers. But um, that, was, that was all it, it managed to run. And... It was a good little car. One thing I really liked about it, and I don't know if this is a common thing across all cars now, or it's just in these electric cars, he had an app on his phone that he could set it so that, for example, the heating, he could have the heating turn on so that when he got in the car, it was nice and toasty and warm in the morning. He didn't have to get out, you know, start the car up, get the heating going. Is that because it's electric? They can just control all that separately from, you know, having to fire up the engine? You can exactly. You can. You're not worried about a car being in a garage, you know, uh, emitting toxic fumes. Mm. It's it's basically like a preheating. My my wife's car. My wife's Volvo does that too. It does allow you to preheat and and do some things with the battery. But I think it's very minimal as to what you can do before it has to actually start the car. And it was the same thing you're talking about with the solar. Although it didn't control it. Did, I, it the solar part was really only for the internals of the car, so the internal electrics, the things that would control all the the gubbins inside. Um, so that yeah, but that also normally includes like the radio and, and yeah, 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 things like that. Yeah. So I mean, that's good, right? I mean, it's it's in a lot of ways. Yeah, electric cars are great. I think it is just the range that puts people off. But it sounds like things have moved on a lot. And I'm what are Tesla's pretty good? I mean, they must be pretty decent for for. Range. They're, they're good. Their prices keep jumping up because they're. Well, that's the know, problem, isn't it? Well, they're, because they're not. It's not like they're manufactured in Japan, right, or overseas. They're they're manufactured fairly local. Mm. So for here, where the closest plant here, I guess, is the Texas plant, or in Nevada, where is it? The, the, the oh, couple, yeah, a couple of one, U.S. Yeah. plants. Yeah. But sourcing materials in the U.S. is obviously it's great for the economy, but it does drive the price up. And as parts, you know, just like in home renovations with wood going up, things have gone up. Here, here's what's happened in Canada: the entry level Model Three was the entry-level um, Tesla. And here's the thing. If you buy a Tesla in Canada, you kind of want the all-wheel drive. Okay. Because you're going to be driving through snow and ice. Yeah. And the the price point on the all-wheel drive is $61,000 Canadian. Okay. The threshold for government incentives is 60000 <sighs> So why they increased that by – why could they couldn't just make it 559999 so, because the incentives here is pretty good, like federal, it's about five thousand, and then another eight thousand from the province. So that's, I mean, that's pretty significant savings. It's over fifteen grand of savings that overall will make people more enticed to buy that vehicle. So why they didn't pay attention to that really blows my mind. Are they still having production issues? Because Tesla, when I remember from the beginning, it was having issues where you know cars were being bought and they were never being delivered. Um, there's, I mean, there's certain delays on some of like the cyber trucks and the, and some of the higher end models like the Model S and and the Model Y is in super demand. This is why they limit like the colors. Like if I were to go out and buy a Tesla today, I, I would choose the Model Y. It's kind of like that crossover SUV model. If I wanted the entry level price here, okay, so we're talking about just the regular, the regular. I mean, it's it's the regular Model Y is a long range. It starts at eighty five thousand dollars. Jeez. That's $1,000 a month on a lease, but that lease is, by the way, doesn't include tax. So if you add tax on that, you're going to add another $300. If I wanted to buy that cash, you'd save about $16,000. So let's say I want to buy a Model 3, which is really the entry level, okay? It's like the sedan. It's 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 whatever. It's just a regular kind of entry level. You go order now, and the Model 3 um, rear-wheel drive... Okay, so here's what they've done. The rear-wheel drive is $59,990. Okay, interesting. That'll get you the incentive. So you mm-hmm. end up paying probably about $59,000, about $45,000 for the car with nothing in it, like no bells, whistles, no high-performance, mm-hmm. no all-wheel drive, nothing. But people here, they want the all-wheel drive. And the range, by the way, 438 kilometers. If you want the all-wheel drive, which is also the performance model, $82,000. And the range is 507 kilometers. Not that big of a difference. 
So, and the other thing is, there's a lot of conversation about Teslas and how they're not car manufacturers. So the, some of the fit and finish is not perfect. So you'll see things and pieces of the car that are like millimeters off. Right. Like yeah. a door closes and it rubs against something like it shouldn't. Like So that's where that's why Tesla is employing more and more people from the automotive manufacturing world to try and kind of get those rumors out and dispel those and, and, and build, you know, and that's been good a little bit years, higher quality right? I mean, car. That's... Yeah, it's been going on for a long time. People don't care. Like a friend of mine, he's like, oh, I went all in on Tesla. He got a Model Y, very happy with it. Um, you know, but he paid cash for it, so you know, ninety thousand dollars. And that's the something. thing, right? I mean, you, you want if you want to have the, you know, what is appearing to be the latest and greatest. Although I don't know if it is, to be honest. By the sounds of it, there are better options out there. At least there are there are options. Well, there are more and more companies that are coming out with cars like this. You know, there's more and more companies that are coming out that are, are are around that same price point or getting into the cheaper, like the Toyotas and the Hondas and the and the Hyundai's of the world. There are far less expensive vehicles. Um, so it really depends on your standards and what you want in a car. People who drive a lot want to spend a little bit more money on their car because they're in it a lot, and yeah. they they you know they that's the only thing. Listen, I don't I don't live a lavish lifestyle. You know, I buy a lot of the tech that's around me for for the purpose of the show and stuff like that. But for I, but I I go back and forth when it comes to cars. I think to myself, okay, do I want this really nice car because it's super comfy? But I'm like, I don't. I'm not in it that much. Why would I care? Mm. You know, I just want to get from point A to point B. So that's where I kind of find myself uh, balancing the act. And this is why I love having you on the show because people always say to me, "Why do you want to talk about cars?" And I'm like, "Because this is great. I I can't talk about cars with anybody else because you know Sean doesn't care. Most of my blood friends yeah, yeah. couldn't care less. But actually, in saying that, we are all interested in this topic because well, let me know, let me let me tell it. you about the new BMW i7 for example. Okay, mm. this is a luxury sedan. There is no way in hell that you're going to buy this without having a driver. Okay, <laughs> but this car is so. They've gone so over the top with some of the features on it that you can sit in the back seat, stretch your legs out, and recline the seat down so you can lie down. And when you do that, a giant 19-inch widescreen folds down from the roof in the back so that you can consume your media and enjoy your ride to wherever your driver is taking you. Nice. That is your dream, I think, to be able to get in the back of one of these cars the beautiful leather smell. You sit back, relax. The mm. water is in the refrigerated compartment between you and your passenger. Double tap water. Double tap water, and you can watch double tap over and over and over again on the screen. No, no, hang on, hang on. No, it's turned to hell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when will this thing crash? Wait um, a second. Are you saying that watching double tap over and over is hell? Is this the new form of torture? Government instills new torture tactic to get people to talk. Well, listen, people tell me the radio show was sleeping, so you know it might be the case for TV. I don't know. But hey, look, I mean, I, I've got to say, some of these things, these these cars do sound amazing, and it is funny actually. My wife and I talked about this years ago. We said maybe we should invest money in a car that we don't drive. We have someone who drives. And they just drive this car, and it's our car. We just, and then I thought, you know, this is just going to be a lot of money for something to just essentially sits on a driveway, hoping one day someone turns up and drives it. So we decided against it. You know, a lot of there are a lot of people in like New York City that have drivers, cars, and drivers. Not just a service; like it's their car and it's yeah. their driver. This person is literally works for them twenty four seven and drives them around. Yeah, I'm curious what that costs. <laughs> so am I. Yeah, so am I. I, mean, like, I think what it's, different. It, like, it's different in somewhere like New York, though, right? Because where I live and you've been here, you know, it's not exactly around the corner from anywhere. So no. it would have to be a local. It would have to be someone who's, you know, nearby. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's it's all possible. And I think that's the thing now. I think this is what's going to happen. I mean, okay, I know we're looking long-term at driverless cars, and maybe that will be the death knell on all of that, that they will just drive themselves and that will be the end of it. But I don't know how close you think that is. I mean, you know, the, the rumour is always... Well, it's not far away now. Once we get legislation and, and regulation sorted out, you know, we can start the trials and go. Although the trials have been very much ongoing in America for long enough. Um, we have trials here. I mean, we have trials right now of driverless buses, which I don't really understand this thing about driverless buses. What, what Wasn't it you who was telling me the story about the driverless train where they had to put a driver in who did nothing in London, just to give? Yeah. yeah. In London on the Docklands Light Railway, they, they started up this thing. It was a brand new uh, railway. And it was completely driverless. No one would get on it. So they put a guy in. There was, now, I have to say, there's nothing. It's like sitting at an empty desk. And they just sit this guy there, and everyone gets on the train happy. And he's like, I have nothing. There's nothing I can do here. 
but I just sit here staring out the front window. So the train is out of control, uh, plummeting into the ocean. He is there like everybody else going, oh, my. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. You can can't do, do anything. nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. And we're about to get I mean, this in Glasgow because they're one, a really old subway system, which is not as old as London's, but it's an old, it's over 100 years old. And um, it's being all replaced with driverless electric trains. And everyone's terrified. That's all anyone's talking about in this city now. That, oh, I'm never going to on that subway again. We'll all be, you know, we'll be killed in our sleep. And I'm thinking, yeah, it's not. It's, it's probably not going to be any better. It's not going to be any worse than it already is. And I should say that subway never won Single accident. So let's hope the driverless trains don't cause the first one. Well, listen, theoretically, with the technology that we have in place now, these cars can talk to each other. They can know when one is coming up, when the distance is, what the safe distance is, when they need to slow down, when they need to speed up. Um, you know, there's so many. It's really, It really comes down to a giant if-then statement. Yeah, of course. If this happens, then do this. And actually, so. to be honest, I mean, you know, you look at look, look at trains, train lines in particular. The technology they already have tells the train operators where these trains are. They are not sitting in signal boxes anymore. They're sitting in a room full of screens. They know exactly yeah. where every train is at all times. And they don't so even need the screens. Halt, they just yeah. They know before the driver tells them. Yeah, so we already have is... the, the 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 infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, I'd love to see one of those control rooms. There was, you know, a friend of mine works at a company called CETA, S-I-T-A. I'm sure it stands, stands for something really, really intelligent. But they 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 um, work with airports and in, in, in baggage technology, check-in technology, uh, mostly outside of North America. And there was a project they were working on that they were demonstrating the use of HoloLens. But not only HoloLens, but really um, they are able to install these sensors in airports and on a giant airport map they can see a heat map what a heat map is is literally hot meaning red is hot which means lots of people green is cold there's nothing there and you could see a heat map of all the activity of the airport at a given point in time in real time and not only that but it can actually analyze that data and tell you that this time of day it's busier in this point and they're able to use that technology to put in systems and put in checks to make it a better experience for people traveling through the spaces this technology exists today, and it is so absolutely cool the amount of data points that people are harvesting and then able to take this and say, okay, now that we know this, we can reconfigure the gates. We can make sure this plane at this time of day comes into this part of the airport to distribute that heat. Let's make it orange everywhere. Let's make it yellow everywhere. Let's try to make it as green as possible. And they're developing systems and methods to put this data into places, and people are paying top dollar for it because it helps us as consumers at the end of the day have a better experience and i think you know it's what else exists cool. the technology to cut us off because we're going to be too late so we need to go we're out it's been well, fun though. that was that's good technology i like that that's pretty yeah, cool it's probably the best technology that exists i'm sure AMI are so glad they spend the money on that uh, that's it for us we're back monday have a great weekend guys Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at AMI.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.